Well, I know that the people who attend Christ Community Church are a culturally refined group, uh, especially those of you who are joining us in the university town of DeKalb, right? But I thought I'd start today with a little bit of a test to see how much you appreciate good poetry. Good, good poetry? All right. So I'm going to give you a line from a, a poem, a famous poem, and I want you to call out the next line of that poem. Now, the, again, it's going to be a quiz. There are going to be eight of these. And so the minute I call out the line, you've got to call out the next line. And if you get it right, you get a point. It, it, you don't get a point if you don't say anything, and then everyone calls out the right line, and you say, oh, yeah, I knew that. That's cheating. All right? So you've got to be able to call it out right away. You ready to go? Okay, cross all four campuses. I want you to call it out. I give you the first line. You call out the response. Number one, how do I love thee? Okay, let me count the ways. You get a point. That was an easy one. Just wanted to tee it up, something easy. Let me give you a harder one. Once upon a midnight dreary. Our, some of you know that it's Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Remember that in high school lit class. Number three. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. Number four, this one doesn't rhyme, but it's Shakespeare, so you don't have to rhyme if you're Shakespeare. Number four, if music be the food of love, you don't know, play on. Friends, if, if you're single and dating, this is good stuff, okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, play on, baby, play on, okay? Number five, tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Number six, to err is human, to forgive divine. To err really big is Chicago Bears, okay? <laughs> Number seven, got to tee up an easy one because you've been struggling. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Yeah, everybody gets at least one. Here's my final one. Number eight, a favorite of mine. Two roads diverged in a wood and I... Yeah, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference, Robert Frost. How many of you got at least five or more? Whoa, it is a culturally refined group. Anybody get all eight? Poet laureate of Christ Community Church? Now, now you may not be a, a lover of great poetry, but I want to take you back to the final poem, the last two lines by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Isn't that a great picture? I mean, throughout life, in fact, every day, we, we stand at a crossroads, we stand at a fork in a road. If, if we take this road, it leads that way, and that road leads this way, and whichever choice we make, the decision we make is gonna have a huge impact upon our lives. This is actually a theme that pops up repeatedly in the Bible. In fact, it pops up so often that the theologians have given it a name. They call it the doctrine of the two ways. You, you see it, for example, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs. If you've never read Proverbs, it's all these short, pithy sayings that, that, that tell you if you behave like this, you'll be wise. If you behave like this, you'll be a fool. So two ways. You're going to be wise, you're going to be a fool. Uh, Jesus stressed this same thing multiple times in his famous Sermon on the Mount. For example, he said, two builders go out to build houses. One builds on sand, one builds on rock. Then the storms of life hit. So which builder do you want to be? 
Want to build on sand? Want to build on rock? The doctrine of the two ways. Today we're going to look at another a picture of the doctrine of the two ways found in Psalm 1. That's our scripture today. So Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible if you want to try and find that. Uh, Psalm 1, this is one of my favorite Psalms. It's the introduction to the book of Psalms. It's a Psalm about spiritual growth. Okay, you could either be a spiritually growing person or a person who's not growing spiritually. Two pictures are presented here. So our topic, again, is spiritual growth. We're in the second week of a four-part series that we launched last weekend at our 30th anniversary celebration called I Love My Church. And I noted last weekend that what makes Christ community such an exciting place is because we're on a mission. We're on a mission that's been given to us by our Lord, our King, Jesus. It's a mission to make as many people into fully devoted followers of his disciples, he calls them, as possible. And we invited you to be part of this of this mission. People who become disciples of Jesus, who surrender their lives to him, they're transformed in this life and their eternal destiny is redirected. That's why this is such an exciting mission. And if you want to be part of this mission, there are four huge action steps required of you. Step number one, we called last weekend, belonging. Okay, you got to join Jesus' team. you got to get connected to Jesus. And we explained last weekend how to do that. Just in passing, I said last weekend that we invite spiritual explorers to Christ Community Church. We welcome you if you're a tire kicker, spiritually speaking. If you're checking out a relationship with God, this is the place to do it. Okay, this is not just for convinced believers. In fact, in my sermon last weekend, I said, anytime you're ready to investigate this faith journey further, to take your next step, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to help you take that step. So come visit us in the Welcome Center of any of our four campuses. And I had no idea we were going to have such a huge turnout at the Welcome Centers afterwards. But all four campuses' Welcome Centers were bustling last weekend. And I just, just want to say it again. When you're ready to talk, we're ready to talk. It's not just the place to go if you want information because you're a first-time visitor to the church. You could do that as well. But when you're ready to have a spiritual conversation, we'd love to have it with you, pray with you, help you take your next step. It's waiting for you at the Welcome Center. Well, today we're moving on. We're moving on from belonging to a second huge step people need to take if they want to be part of the mission, and that's growing. Say growing with me. Growing. Spiritual growth. Here's the big introductory point I want to make. It's a choice. Spiritual growth is a choice. Two roads diverged in a wood. Okay? You could take the growing road or you could take the non-growing road. But spiritual growth is your choice. Christ Community Church can't foist it on you. We can't make you grow spiritually. In fact, just hanging out at church, coming here for three years, five years, ten years, fifty, doesn't guarantee that you're going to grow. Growers have to choose to grow. In fact, one of the phenomenons I've, not I've noticed at our church is that there are some people who are relatively young in Christ. It was like six months ago they surrendered to Christ, or, or, or two years ago. And they have already zoomed past spiritually a lot of people around here who've been here five years, ten years, whatever. Why? 
Because those who grow have chosen to grow. They've chosen to do the things that lend to spiritual growth. And those who don't grow, doesn't matter how long they've been here, how long they profess to be a Christ follower, if you don't do the things that cause growth, you don't grow. You don't grow. That's what Psalm 1 is all about. It paints for us two pictures. A picture of a person who's growing and a person who is spiritually on the decline. And it asks you the question, which person do you want to be? Which person do you want to be? Now, there are three factors to consider if you want to be a spiritually growing person. If you haven't taken the outline out from your program, I encourage you to take it out. Write these down. If you, even if you don't write a, another lick of notes today, jot down these three factors. If you want to grow, it has to do, number one, with the company you keep. With the company you keep. Now, we're going to go to Psalm 1. Uh, verse 1 begins with a negative picture. Okay, this is the, the non-growing person. And their non-growth has a lot to do with the company they keep. Okay, so let me read the first verse to you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, if you've got your own Bible, I, I hope you've noticed here a, a progression, three uh, three. Uh, verbs that kind of lead you down the wrong trail. It's the person who begins by walking with the wrong group, and then they stand with that group, and then they end up sitting with, with that group. So they're hanging out with people whose morals and values and priorities don't please God, and they're becoming more and more committed over time to that group. So your spiritual growth depends on the company you keep. You will begin to look like the people you hang out with. Good friend of mine went into the city recently to uh, meet a buddy of his. He was telling me this afterwards. He said, we, we went out to a coffee shop. And it was one of those coffee shops where urban hipsters like to hang out and drink large amounts of Java. And he said, what was so funny, he said, I walked in there. Maybe it's just because I'm from the suburbs, you know. But all the guys in the place look the same. You see, you know, all the guys are, they're, they're, they're sitting there. They get flannel shirts buttoned up to the top. <laughs> Okay, they got an infinity scarf wrapped around their neck, looking to see if we got any of those out there. So, you know, they got beards, they got a certain kind of eyeglasses. They're all working on Macs. You don't work on a PC in a coffee shop like that. Okay, it's got to be a Mac. They got earbuds in because you're listening to your favorite indie band, and you're sipping this foo-foo caffeinated drink. Okay, every, everybody looks the same. I want to tell you, over time, you look like you take on the appearance, the behaviors of the people you hang out with. Now, now you, could, you could harness that influence for the good. I mean, we can choose to keep company with people who will impact us in a positive way. You never ever had the experience of playing on a sports team of really talented athletes, and you're just kind of a mediocre player, but it raised your level of play? Because I'm mediocre, I've had that experience a lot. But you, you hang out with gifted people that raises your level of play. Or you've been on an aggressive sales force and maybe you were a bit timid when you began, but they're, you know, they go after the customer and over time you're going after the customer. So we talk about people rubbing off on us. That happens in the spiritual realm as well. If we hang out with people who are growing spiritually, there's a good chance that we're going to grow spiritually. 
The writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews puts it this way. And this, by the way, this is a, a really key passage. I'd encourage you to jot down the reference. It's Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. It says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Okay, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. No, th th those verses tell us we have a choice to make. This is the doctrine of the two ways. Okay, we can make a regular habit of gathering with people who will spur us on toward love and good deeds, fellow Christ followers, or we could do church sporadically, you know, kind of hit and miss. No, no real habit of regular attendance, and our spiritual growth will be minimal. I got a challenge for you in 2015, okay? And if you like challenges in shorter duration, instead of 2015, let's say between now and Easter, here's the challenge. Don't miss a weekend at Christ Community Church. Don't miss a weekend. Just, just make up your mind. You're, you're going to arrange everything else on your schedule so you could be sure to be here. I know there may be an occasion when you get sick or your family's out of town on a vacation, but otherwise, whatever you can work around being here, being here, don't break this habit for anything. Don't break it because somebody gives you tickets to a big game. Don't break it because your kids had a sleepover the night before and they're surly now and you don't want to go to church with them. You know, don't break this habit because relatives come into town and they're staying with you. Bring them with you to church or say, we'll meet you afterwards. We're headed to church. Don't break this habit because your friends want you to go, go shopping. Don't break the habit because the weather to turns cold and snowy. It's Chicago. Okay? And I want to, it's coming. It's coming. And there are going to be some mornings where it's so cold and it's snowed and you've got to shovel yourself out in order to get here at one of our four campuses. And I had to laugh a week ago when the weather was so terrible they closed the schools. Where were the kids? They were sledding. They were at the mall. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. We, we have a way of doing what we really want to do. So, so I, I encourage you, make a commitment. You're going to be here. See what it does to your spiritual growth. I'm reading a book right now, I actually just finished it this last week, called God in My Everything. Sounds a little like that worship song we sang earlier in the service. You know, God in My Everything. And this, this author is writing about spiritual disciplines that will help you grow. And one of the, the chapters is on the importance of getting together with Christ followers every weekend. And he tells an interesting story. He said, I've, I've got a friend who is an athletic trainer. She works with a lot of NCAA Division I athletes. And because she's a Christ follower, she tries to engage them in discussions about faith. And one of the questions she'll often ask is, hey, you ever go to church? And almost to a person, these young athletes say, no. She'll say, well, why not? And they'll say, you know, when I was a kid, my family used to go periodically or regularly, but then I got involved on a traveling sports team. We stopped going. We've never gone back. You know, moms and dads, the spiritual growth of our kids depends upon us as parents making church, keeping good company a priority in their lives. The company we keep will have a huge impact on the vitality of our relationship with God. The re recent studies show 
that people who consider themselves regular church attenders, regular now means 35% of the time. And I say, really, if you come one-third of the time, you can expect to experience one-third of the spiritual growth you would otherwise experience if you were here consistently. It's just that simple. It's two roads. You're going to choose this road. You're going to keep good company. You're going to choose this road. You're going to neglect getting together like your spiritual life needs. This pertains not just to weekend church. Uh, last weekend, I mentioned that 82% of our weekend attenders are also in a community group. So this is about group life as well. Getting together once a week with six to ten other people, studying the Bible, praying for each other, getting in each other's face and holding one another accountable. Before we launched this I Love My Church series, we did a survey with people who are in our community groups, 300 and some community groups. And we asked the question, what do you love about your community group? I saw the answers to that survey this last week, and I was amazed at how many of the responses have to do with spiritual growth. L listen to some of these. One person writes, our group is so authentic as we do life together, encouraging each other to follow God deeper. Somebody else says, I love my friends in the faith, learning the Bible, holding each other accountable. Somebody else, I'm not alone. I've got people I can trust and count on and celebrate celebrate with. Somebody else, I feel safe to talk about my life. It's a group where people work through God's word and apply it. One last one, my group members support me and push me to be more like Christ. I'm in a group where people push me to be more like Christ. If you're not in a group, this is what you're missing. I would say if you are in a group, don't forget what I said last weekend. Okay, we're, we're on a three-month campaign here. January to March, we're calling the campaign simply Add One. If you're in a group, our challenge is to add one person to your group sometime in the next three months. And the fishing pond, to find those people, the biggest fishing pond is right at church. Because at least one out of five people you run into aren't in a group yet. And so as you're dropping your kids off at Kids World or hanging out in the lobby, this is what will make us a friendly church. We'll be meeting and greeting each other and saying, hello, my name is such and such. By the way, are you in a group? Because if you're not, I'd love to invite you to my group. Wow, what if we started doing that? It would turn up the temperature on the friendliness around here. I made my own contribution to the Ad One campaign this last week. I was taking a train into the city, and this guy sits down next to me. He gets on in Elmhurst. And I, I've been uh, working on something in my spiritual life. I've been asking God to make me bolder in starting spiritual conversations. But I was reading my Kindle, and he was working on his cell phone, so I told the Lord, I said, well, if he gets off his phone, I'll talk to him. <laughs> he turned off his phone and put it away. So I just started a conversation. I said, so you're headed into the city. That's all you got to say, yeah? Yeah, he tells me what he's heading into the city. We're talking for two or three minutes. Don't ask me how the corner was turned. But the subject of church came up. And I asked him the question. I said, you, you go to church? And he said, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I went to Catholic church. And then I stopped going. He said, but the interesting thing that's happened in the last couple of years, my son started dating a girl who goes to one of those Bible-teaching churches. And he said, my wife started to go, and now I've started to go. And then he looked at me with absolute sincerity and said, there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. 
And I said, I know, we do the same thing at our church. In fact, we get people in small groups to study the Bible. Do they have groups at your church? He said, yeah. I said, they got men's groups? He said, yeah. I said, you win one? He said, no. I said, maybe God put you next to me on the train so I could kick your butt and get you in a group. <laughs> Guys can say this to each other. Ladies, don't, don't use this kind of language and <laughs> inviting others to be part of your group. The dude turns to me and goes, hey, I'm Bob. So evidently, I didn't offend him. But I get credit for adding one, all right? To somebody's group in some church, someplace. Spiritual growth depends upon the company you keep, and it's your choice. It's your choice whether you'll be here consistently on weekends come heck or high water. It's your choice whether you'll get in a group or not and attend that group regularly, even arranging business trips and whatever around being there. And just, just a, a footnote here. Okay, I'm smart enough to recognize that some people over time, they look back and they say, well, you know, I used to do that. I used to come more consistently on weekends. I used to be part of a group. And you're not right now for a variety of reasons. Maybe one of your kids is in a sports traveling league. Okay, maybe you bought a vacation home and that's where you're hanging out on weekends. Okay, maybe you heard something in a sermon here that honked you off. Okay, maybe something went down in your community group. You were offended and, you, you know, you bailed. I just want to say to you, two roads diverged in a wood. Okay, you got to choose what road you're going to take. You want to grow spiritually, it depends upon the company you keep. Please don't keep nursing whatever wounds or keep on, on the track that keeps you away from God's people. Make some changes so that you can keep the company that's going to influence your spiritual growth in a positive direction. Number two, okay, you want to grow spiritually, the company you keep, number one. Number two, the habits you develop. Go back to Psalm 1. Verse 1 talked about people who don't choose good company, spiritually speaking. Verse 2 now contrasts that group with people who do choose good company and who want to grow spiritually. Now, what do these people have in common? What habits do they develop? I want to read verses 1 and 2. In fact, I'll invite you to read verses 1 and 2 with me. We'll put it on the screen here. and Give me a chance to sip some water here. Here we go. Blessed is the one. Okay, there is one key spiritual growth habit in verse 2 here. You want to grow spiritually? It requires meditating on the law of the Lord every day. Now, let me, let me take that apart, take a look at some of the phrases. Meditating on the law of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I taught on getting into the Bible on a regular basis, and we, we came across that expression, law of the Lord. Law is the Hebrew word Torah. You've heard that word before. A Torah means everything God's Word teaches. And so I emphasized two weeks ago, we did a standalone sermon to launch the new year. Priority one, day one, we called it. If you want to grow spiritually in 2015, you've got to make a habit of systematically reading through the Bible. Got to read the whole thing at some point. And so, so I, I tuned you into a schedule, a Bible reading schedule put out by Scripture Union. And said, you know, it, it, it's not enough just once or twice a week to sit down and, and uh, put together your community group lesson for the week. It's not enough to read a devotional that has a verse here and a verse there. You want to read through the entire Bible at some point. So I want to ask a question. 
It's a dangerous question for a pastor to ask because you find out whether or not people are applying what you've encouraged them to do. But I'm going to ask you anyway. How many of you are trying to follow a schedule that will take you through the Bible? Put your hand up. Fantastic. That is fantastic. I hope hands are going up at the other campuses as well. If you've not chosen to do that, I would encourage you to go back online. You could pick up that sermon and listen to it. And we talk about the resources. If you don't have a Bible, go to the Welcome Center, ask for a Next Steps packet because there's a Bible in there. And you could get started reading God's Word every day. Now, please note in verse 2, it's not just that you read the Bible every day. You meditate on it. What does it mean to meditate on God's Word? The Hebrew verb means to chew on something, quite literally, to chew on it. Sounds a little gross, but it's like a cow chewing its cud. Now, I don't own a cow, but I own a dog. And my dog loves to chew on rawhide strips. So we buy them in bulk at the, at the pet store. And then we keep them in a cabinet. And she's sitting in front of the cabinet. That's my dog, Zoe. And she's sitting in front of that cabinet. If you walk by the cabinet, she'll look up at you with that, come on, Jimbo, give me a, give me a flip. Okay, and then she'll take that rawhide strip into the family room and she will chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it until there is absolutely nothing left because it's been totally ingested. Okay, that's what we're to do with God's word. We read a small portion of it every day and then we chew on it, we chew on it, we chew, we go over and over until we extract something from it that we can apply to our lives or some truth about God that will draw us closer to him. Now, maybe this sounds tedious to you, boring to you, chew on God's word. I want to tell you, it's not boring to my dog when she chews on one of those rawhide strips. She loves it. She lo and according to verse 2, people who are in a growing relationship with God, they love getting into his word. The word in verse 2 is delight. If you've got your own Bible, circle that word delight. They delight in it. Now, honest confession here. I'm a fairly disciplined person, so there are a number of good habits that I engage in because I know they're good for me, but not many that I delight in. Okay, take working out, for example. Uh, several times a week, I grab my gym bag, I head off to the health club, I do my push-ups, I get on the elliptical machine. I hate it. <laughs> and I know some of you, you love working out. Good for you. Okay? <laughs> I, don't like, I do it because I know it's good for me. I love exercise, but the exercise I love is biking and hiking and kayaking, and, and it's not push-ups in the elliptical machine. Okay, now the reason I tell you this is because getting into God's word every day is not like that at all. I delight in it. I, I delight in it. It's, it's not that every time I read the Bible, I get some really great insight for my life from the day. Uh, for the day. Sometimes it's hard. I walk away and I, I'm not sure what I was supposed to get out of that. But over time, as I do this, this every day, it draws me closer and closer to God. And I'm so glad I do it. Feels so good to do it. I love doing it. And I, I want to say to you, if you haven't started the habit yet, delight in it. If you want to grow spiritually, there is a fork in the road. Reflect, read and reflect on the Bible, you'll grow. Ignore the Bible and you won't. It's that simple. And I've spent a lot of time, a lot of effort the last several years uh, trying to create resources that would help you grow. 
that would help you get into the Bible because that's how God speaks to you. Help you get into prayer. That's another spiritual discipline because that's how you speak to God. So I came out with a Bible Savvy series, four short books on how to get into the Bible. Several years before that, I wrote a prayer coach to help you get into prayer. I'm not saying this to boost book sales. I'm saying it to boost your spiritual growth. Depends on what you do. Growing people do growing things. Non-growing people just don't do them. And I want to tell you uh, one of the initiatives we've got going for 2015. Our adult ministries team is working on creating a uh, four to six week seminar on spiritual growth. You know, spiritual disciplines that will help you grow, especially getting into God's word and getting something from it for your life and prayer. And so I, I encourage you to keep your ears open for that. Most of the teaching we do around here, if it's not done at a weekend service, is done in the context of a community group. But we have five or six seminars that are critically important for your spiritual growth. So this will be one of those. And, and while I'm at it, let me mention another one that already exists that is critical for your spiritual growth. It's a nine-week seminar called FPU. FPU stands for Financial Peace University. It's material written not here at Christ Community Church, but by a guy named Dave Ramsey, who's a financial ex expert, a Christ follower, has a, a national radio uh, talk show, well-respected around the country, and he will teach you how to save money and budget money and manage money and get out of debt and become a generous person who's able to give money and so on. And if you're wondering, okay, what does this have to do with our topic for, for today, spiritual growth, the answer is everything. Here, here's how Jesus puts it in Luke 16, verse 11. He says, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now, the true riches that Jesus is talking about in Luke 16, verse 11, are spiritual riches. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't miss this. God is not going to enrich your life spiritually until you start handling money in a way that pleases him. You say, why, why, why is money such a big deal to God? And by the way, it is a big deal. If you think it's just something that churches make a big deal of, two-thirds of Jesus' parables, two-thirds of Jesus' parable teaching have to do with wealth and what you do with it. So here's the big deal. There are two ways to handle your money. Is this sounding familiar? Oh, back to the doctrine of the two ways. You could treat your money as if it's yours to do with as you please. Spend it as you want, but you won't grow spiritually. Or you could choose to treat your money as if it belongs to God. It's on loan from God. And you could do everything in your power to seek out the principles in his word as to how best to save it and manage it and budget and give it and so on. That's what FPU will help you do. You know, there's a, a story, interesting story that dates back to the 12th century. Now, back in the 12th century, the Roman Catholic Church was trying to recruit crusaders who would march to Jerusalem and free the city from invading Muslim hordes. And so they were looking for anybody who, who'd be willing to join the fight and mercenaries, people who wanted to get paid for their efforts. They showed up and the church said, well, we can't send you unless you get baptized. So as the story goes, 
These guys would get baptized, but they'd be holding their sword out of the water as they got dunked. What are they saying? They're saying, you know, God can have all of me except my sword. I'm going to do with my sword what I want to do with my sword. A lot of people who claim to be Christ followers, they do that with their money. You know, God can have all of me. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. Except for my checkbook, my Visa card, my Amazon.com account. See, that's to spend as I please. And I want to tell you that that sort of attitude will lead to spiritual decline. On the, on the other hand, I can tell you I've witnessed it time and again at Christ Community Church. People who get the money thing right, they take off spiritually. And so I want to, I want to say FPU is worth your time. We just started it at, at uh, St. Charles Campus. So this week, if you want to go, it's a nine-week course, Tuesday, Tuesday night. Okay, if you're at the Bartlett campus, we encourage you to join us in St. Charles. If you're at the Blackberry Creek campus, we're going to start it on Tuesday nights, February 3rd. And out in DeKalb, we're going to start it on Thursday nights this week. So consider FPU. It's the habits you develop that will determine your spiritual growth. Getting into God's word, handling money in a way that pleases him, and so on. Number three. Here's the third factor that Psalm 1 speaks of as it describes the person who is growing spiritually. It's the fruit you bear. The fruit you bear. Now, I want to go back to Psalm 1 and read the last verse we're going to look at today, verse 3. I love the picture here. It says, This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This picture of a, a fruitful, invincible, prosperous tree is why Psalm 1 is, I think, my favorite psalm. You know, I've, I've even committed it to memory because when I recite it, when I rehearse it in my mind, I think to myself, this is what I want to become. This is the picture of who I want to be. I, I want to be this tree. I want to be a tree that produces fruit and doesn't wither and prospers in all I do. I don't want to be like this tree over here that's dead and spindly and yuck. So the choice is ours. Which tree do we want to become? Now some of you, if you're the least bit cynical, you're muttering under your breath. So Jim wants to be an apple tree. Good. You just see apples hanging from his arms and you understand this is not a literal picture. It's a metaphorical. It's a symbolic picture. What does fruit symbolize? Okay, in the Bible, fruit symbolizes three things. Don't miss this. This is what God wants to produce in you if you'll make the choice to grow spiritually. Okay, fruit stands for three things. Number one, it stands for godly character. The Apostle Paul, writing in the book of Galatians, says that once you surrender your life to Christ, the minute you do that, God's Spirit comes to live on the inside. And God's Spirit's got an agenda. His agenda is to make you more and more like Jesus by, by producing Jesus' character in you. And then Paul gives a list of nine, what he calls, fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. That's what God wants to produce in you. I want to tell you the measure of your spiritual growth is not primarily how much Bible you know. 
It's not the frequency with which you attend church. It's not the amount of the check you write and put in the offering. It's not teaching third grade kids world. All of those things are important, but they are a means to an end. The end, the result that God wants to produce in you is the fruit of godly character. So if you want to know if you're growing, spiritually growing, just take a look at the list and say, is this stuff popping up in my life more frequently than it used to? We start with the first fruit, love. Am I becoming a more loving person? Now, I got to tell you, I know people who've known Jesus a long time, 15, 20, 30 years. They're not very loving. So I know they're not growing spiritually, even though it may seem like it because of the amount of time they've spent knowing Christ. So do you, do you love, if you're married, start with your spouse. Are you working on loving your spouse? If there are difficulties in that relationship, are you seeking counsel? You know, check out our care night. If there are, are things wrong in your spiritual life that, that are keeping you from growing, are you more loving to the people you work with? Are you loving toward your boss? Are, are you loving toward people who are poor, showing that love in a tangible way? Are you loving toward people who cut you off in traffic? Maybe not initially knee-jerk, but you, you quickly pray, oh God, help me to love that person for whom Jesus died. Do you want to be a more loving person? And then just go down the list. Love joy. Are you cranky? Are you chronically critical? Are you a, a complainer? Are you a glass half empty? Then you're not growing spiritually. Because people who are growing spiritually, the fruit of joy becomes apparent in their lives. If you need to work on this fruit, I'd recommend go back to that series we did over the holidays, Kill Joy. Listen to it again. What's keeping you from experiencing God's joy in your life? Keep going down the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. Is this the fruit that God's producing in me? Not that you're perfect, but you're growing. You know, I've seen a bumper sticker. I don't like this bumper sticker, so if you have it on your car, I'm sorry. But it says, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. Okay, it's a Christian bumper sticker. But, you know, to me, that sounds like a cop-out. Like, you know, I'm a jerk, but at least I'm a forgiven jerk, right? You know, here's the bumper sticker I think we ought to put on our cars, besides the I love my church bumper sticker. I, I, think, I think we ought to put the bumper sticker that says, I'm not perfect, but I'm growing. I'm growing. Okay? That's what we, we want to be growing people. Here's the second thing that fruit means. Fruit means good works. Listen to another challenge from the Apostle Paul. This one from Colossians 1 verse 10. He says, live a life worthy of the Lord. Please him in every way, listen, by bearing fruit in every good work. So fruit is good works. And I'm not going to say much more about good works today because that's our topic for next week in this I Love My Church series. We're going to be talking about serving, serving other people. Let, let me tell you, though, when you become a Christ follower and God's Spirit begins to grow you spiritually, one of the signs of it is that there is this shift in your life from being me-centered to other-centered, from being self-absorbed to being a person who's concerned about serving others. From walking through life with a what are people going to do for me today attitude to how can I serve them. It'll change the way you show up for work. 
It will change the way you operate in your home. Rather than waiting for people to wait on you, you'll look for opportunities to serve. It'll change the way you participate in church. You will not be able to sit here and soak on a weekend and leave and do nothing to contribute to the, the ministry. You'll, you'll be looking for ways to serve. It'll change the way you approach the poor. What can I do, you want to know? And I want to tell you, if, if you want to become a server, because servers are growers, people who choose not to serve, choose not to grow. If you want to become a server, just hang around here. Because I think it's, it's almost impossible not to get bit by the serving bug. Hardly a week goes by that I don't hear something that Christ community folks are up to, either within the walls of our, our four campuses or out in the communities or around the world, that, that surprised me. I didn't even know about it. We're doing that? That's incredible. Oh, I love this church. So right now, as I speak, 24 of our people, mostly from the St. Charles and the Blackberry Creek campus, 24 of our people have taken vacation time. They're down in Nicaragua right now at a medical camp offering medical help to thousands of people because they're growing, and the fruit of their growth is good works. Here's one final category of fruit. Fruit in the Bible means friends that we bring to Christ. Okay, Paul talks in the book of Colossians uh, about the joy that he gets from sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with others. Now, we talked about the good news last week. It starts with bad news. The bad news is we're all sinners. The bad news gets worse. Our sins deserve death. Because our disobedience means we're disconnecting from the giver of life, the penalty is death eternal death if this doesn't get fixed. And so God sent his son Jesus to take death in our place, to die the death we deserve to die so that he can offer us. If we'll surrender our lives to him, he will give us forgiveness, new life in this world, and eternal life in the world to come. Paul says that's good news. And he says when people hear the good news, when I get to tell people the good news, Paul says, and they respond and surrender to Christ, they're fruit. Colossians 1, verse 6, as I recite this verse, I'm going to ask the worship teams to come out on the platforms. We're going to sing a closing worship song, collect our gifts, because part of growing spiritually is giving back to the Lord's work. But as they come out on the stage, listen to Colossians 1, 6. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. If you're growing spiritually, part of the fruit will be you will find yourself irresistibly telling your friends about Jesus. I mean, it's like you won't be able to keep it to yourself. You'll be inviting them to wow weekends because you want them to hear the, the good news of Christ through that celebrity we're going to be interviewing. You'll find yourself on occasion at a Starbucks with one of those God's good news booklets in front of you, and you'll be saying to a friend, you know, what's in this booklet has changed my life. That's why I want to share it with you. Can I take 10 minutes and just share this with you? That's why you're going to be telling others your story. You know, this is my story for what it's worth. This is how God changed me, how he brought me to the place of surrendering to his son. Some of you are thinking, I could never do that. I'd like to do that. I just don't have the courage to do it. I don't know how to start conversations like that. I'm scared if I started a conversation, I'd be asked a question I couldn't answer. And I'd say, well, this is where we've got another seminar coming up for you. Okay, this is another one of those spiritual growth musts. 
And we're just designing it now for 2015. It's a one-day, everyday evangelism seminar. Just how to get better at sharing our faith with others. It's going to be offered at our St. Charles campus on February 7th, which happens to be our WOW weekend. So it's a good time to take that class, come away bold to share Jesus with others. February 28th at the Blackbird Creek campus. So those two campuses, if you're at one of the other campuses, I encourage you to check it out. Jim Kay, our new pastor of evangelism, is going to be leading that. But if you want to produce fruit, if you want to grow, I encourage you to take advantage of that training. Are you going to grow in 2015? The choice is yours. The you could be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever you do prospers. Or, or you could be a dead branch shaken in the wind. But, but the choice is yours. It has to do with the company you keep, the habits you develop, and the fruit you bear. I'm going to ask our, our worship teams to lead us in a song. This is a relatively new song. I think we've only done it once before. They're going to start with the chorus. So you, you get a sense of what the chorus uh, sounds like. And the minute you learn it, just start singing it from your heart. And after we've seated, uh, been seated singing and the ushers have begun to wait on us for our offerings, our tithes, then, then the worship teams will ask you to stand and continue singing. And uh, then the, the pastors will come out at each campus and close in prayer.